0: This is Andy.
1: And this is Matt. And you're listening to The Hot Podcast with no name. What a dumb name. It's so stupid. <laughs> it's so
0: stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so last week. Last week we on the previous Hop
1: episode of Podcast, <laughs> with, no
0: podcast <laughs> with no name. Podcast
1: with no name. We talked about fundamental attribution error and we, we did, gave I believe. homework, <laughs> which was to uh, think about when this applies to your personal or professional life mm-hmm. and then come up with three reasons why you're staring at me so intently and I'm <laughs> terrified. Uh, three reasons why <laughs> the uh, person doing a behavior that you would deem as quote unquote,
0: unacceptable.
1: Crazy, Yeah. that um, <laughs> could possibly be rational with their local rationale as to why they might have done it. We give the example of your—you've been cut off, and sometimes you cut someone off, and how those when you do it, you are able to rationalize it, but when someone else does it, you're like, "This person is."
0: What type of cutting off are we talking about? Driving, driving. cutting off, or what? Are they cutting.
1: Off?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, a three-year-old that really enjoys using scissors, so there's a lot of options as to what.
1: I've seen her scissors, (laughs) they're just plastic and impossible to cut anything with. So yeah, I'm not worried about cutting off anything. Uh, That's where we, we left. We left it with that homework and then you being the A plus student
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and me being, (laughs) I mean, we're not going to get my grade, but it's not a, um, you did the homework.
0: I did do the homework.
1: Of course you did. Uh, and you're so proud of it, and you rubbed it in my face as soon as you got here. Um, but let's, let's hear it.
0: To be to be fair, I don't know that I did the homework well, but I did the homework.
1: We're going to find out. All
0: right. So here is the situation. Um, I got to my daughter's daycare, and I was one of several parents who got a firm... Talking to. And I got a firm talking to because apparently there has been a pattern of parents not paying weekly on time. This is a small home run daycare. So you can understand why it would be incredibly important to pay the daycare provider on time.
1: Yes. And it's it's small.
0: It's small. Yeah, so it's, there's like six children.
1: Yeah. You're not like a small chain of daycare providers. No, no, no. no. Like, one a, person, like a one
0: person yeah. home daycare. So I got to talking to, because um, I'm part of the problem, <laughs> and, <already> knew that. <laughs> and I realized that I was aggressively judging her f- for being angry with me, and then this is where it gets real meta. It oh, gets it, it gets meta because. I don't even know if I'm using that word properly, but anyway, I don't know. have Are no idea. Any, any relatively
1: <laughs> recent pop culture word you're going to butcher.
0: Um, that I was judging her for having fundamental attribution error because she was judging all of us for making an error.
1: I'm trying to decide if you get credit for your own work, if that's the way this started. <laughs>
0: Cause it's, so,
1: yeah, you were say that again, you were judging. I was her judging her. I was saying falling into the thing that we're asking everyone else to catch themselves doing. Yeah, I was. So what you're saying I was mad is, that
0: she wasn't doing her homework.
1: <laughs> Anyone who listened to the last episode and didn't do your homework. Andrea's shaking her fist at you and deeply judging you.
0: Yeah. So I was, I was thinking while she was talking to me of like, well, how, how dare you be so angry at these people? Don't, you know, they're trying their hardest. And part of the reason there's a couple systems level reasons why people forget there's no option to prepay. There's no option to do anything like on auto pay. And so each parent every week has to remember to Venmo every week. And so people are pretty good at it, but every once in a while, especially if there's like a vacation or something mixed in, it seems to be a pattern of kind of everybody forgets on the same week and there's no reminder process. And despite having an alarm and a calendar notification in my own world, I still forget once out of probably every 10 or so weeks. I forget. I, I only forget like 24 hours. Like I realize it the next day.
1: Which is pretty good because I am, I am like a 50, 50 on taking out the garbage. <laughs> so <laughs> your memory is serving you pretty well.
0: So I realized in that moment that I was being very judgmental of her being judgmental. And I thought, man, you, you think you're good at this, Andrea, but you're just, you just push the judgment around. So I'm, I'm no, no better than any sort of, human person trying to do this
1: human person. <laughs> okay. I, also, Just, I
0: mean, there might be another, I don't know. It's the, maybe a robot would be far better at it, but.
1: But it would be neither a human or a person. <laughs> so yeah, I, I sure. You know what? A robot <laughs> okay. wouldn't <Anyway>. be better. <laughs>
0: um, but I did, I did stop and recognize how very important it was in that moment in time for her to be paid. And that if I was in a similar situation of, you know, that was my living and I didn't know consistently when I was going to be paid and I had bills to pay and I had a certain amount of time that I'd wait for stuff to be transferred to Venmo to my account to do it and that I would be extremely frustrated and that it would seem very, very simple for these people to just remember to pay me because why wouldn't they think it was important enough? So I had a moment of reflection in the span of about 15 seconds in this conversation. And then, and then I suggested a bunch of system level fixes for this not to be a problem. (laughs) So.
1: Well, well, first, uh, we'll start with the fixes. What were the the fixes you suggested?
0: So I offered to do some research to allow her to have a method of auto pay.
1: Yep. So classic Andrea to say, I'll... I'll, I'll do it. I'll do
0: it for you. Uh, she's not, you know, like technology isn't quite her friend. And so the idea of doing that, I think historically has been very scary. So having somebody help her. hot
1: okay. meat, kettle. <laughs> <laughs> <So you're laughs> terrible. I, I imagine this may be on my calendar. So I'm like, hey, say, could so you <laughs> help me? It's a separate, don't ask any further questions, but can you help me figure <laughs> out how to be able to get this situation set up?
0: Yeah, so you have a calendar meeting notice for... <laughs> next Monday. Um, so that was, that was suggestion one. And then suggestion two is, uh, well, I, su- I suggested a possibility of doing prepayment. She doesn't really like that option. So then I realized that I was suggesting things without learning from her. So yeah. I asked her what her needs were and she needs to be paid every week for bookkeeping the amount that she's due that week. Um, and it needs to be, uh, obviously consistent on the same day. And her solution was actually to fine people. So she was going to do a $25 per day fine for any time you relate. And so the question that I asked her is, would the fine fix the problem for her? Like, would she, is the extra money going to correct for the fact that she doesn't have what she thought she needed in the bank account on Friday? And she said, absolutely not. She's just hoping it was going to be a deterrent. And then she told me a story about how historically when she's had to do this years ago, there were most people would just pay the fine and they would still forget to do it.
1: That tracks. (laughs) (laughs) yeah.
0: So I suggested that maybe the deterrent wasn't going to be as effective as she would hope for, because people weren't intending to forget to begin with. And so the deterrent itself wasn't going to allow them to remember more. And so First suggestion, automatic, scared her a little bit. And then I said, well, what if I just wrote you a stack of checks, like one for each week? I don't even know if this is legal, by the way. We're throwing, we're flinging this out into the world. But <laughs> <laughs> what if I wrote you a stack of checks, one for each week, and you could deposit them on Friday, but I could give you several months worth at a time? And she loved that solution.
1: Loved it. And now that's what you're doing? Or that is what it? I'm doing.
0: Yeah, so I, gave her, I gave her the stack of checks today
1: what was her response did she say wow i had such a great idea this is <laughs> i'm so ahead of the game um
0: her, um her response was uh, that's a really good question more it wasn't like a grateful response it was a i'm glad you figured out how to do the thing you were supposed to already know how to figure out how to do right so it was she was. She's still deep hard yeah. into fundamental attribution error. But actually, the 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 funniest part of the conversation that we were having when she was very frustrated with me and telling me how terrible it was that n- none of the parents seemed to be able to pay on time, is she'd say, "I'm I'm so busy." She was saying, "I'm so busy that I actually don't have time to check to see whether or not I've been paid." And I just kept thinking, if you don't have time to see whether or not you're paid, surely you can understand that the, probably the parents who are not yeah. paying are feeling the same way about trying to r- struggle to remember to put that as a weekly thing that they have to do.
1: And also the barrier to entry to pay. I mean, it's not super high. Venmo is not high. But no, to remember to pay. It's just the remembering. It's automated. the weekly
0: remote because everything else is automated. Anyway, so that was... That was I don't know, that was my homework.
1: So you you, you <laughs> solved the small businesses need to get paid and they were extremely grateful. Yeah. That's not at all, it. but they were nailed it. they <laughs> will <laughs> come around. Um, okay. So we, you did the homework. I did. I'm still getting over driving and <laughs> fundamental attribution error because every time I step in the car, I have six or so instances where I have to be, like, Hey Matt, I'm sure they didn't mean to do that. And, Put your middle finger down. Like that's not what you want to be doing. You
0: grew up, you grew up though, with sort of like angry drivers teaching you how to drive. Yeah. So this yeah, is a Yeah, didn't pretty stop at driving. <laughs> yes. I grew up with angry,
1: angry uh examples to follow. And again, it was, you know, parents were from Brooklyn and Queens. And I was back there two weeks ago driving mm-hmm. again. And for the first hour or so that I was back there, I was absolutely terrified. I couldn't believe believe that I had driven for 11 years in Queens and hadn't been in an accident because I crossed over the bridge and I swear the clouds got a little darker and everything is just <laughs> Mad Max style as I'm going through. And I didn't remember it being like that. And then, you know, the next day there I felt back to normal, but
0: risk normalization, oh, risk normalization. It was, bringing it was up a true. big topic
1: here. No, but then I, I get mad at myself because now I don't get to be mad anymore because then I have to rationalize it because we spend all of our time (laughs) talking about this stuff and I just want to be mad.
0: Well, I can tell you the way that I fixed it is exactly what I just did in my homework. You can't be mad at people for taking actions anymore, driving. I mean, you can be, I am, you are, but then you just, you'd be mad at them for them being mad at other people. (laughs) (laughs) still mad at people it's just a different type of mad
1: (laughs) I don't think it'll ever go away I'm trying I'm trying I do really well professionally but oh man something about just getting in a car just (laughs) just (laughs) all these muscle memory emotional memory of being like no one is good at driving and you need to let them know (laughs) so they can improve you brought up a
0: big topic though
1: risk normalization yeah yeah, I'm sure you wanna I could see Can you see it in my eyes? Yeah, you are you are desperately <laughs> trying to get at the into this. To yeah.
0: talk about risk normalization.
1: Yeah, let's let's do it.
0: Should we? It's,
1: I mean, we're we're here, we're, uh, we're approaching here. the subject. We didn't have exactly the best plan as to <laughs> what was gonna happen next anyway. So well, let's go.
0: All right. So risk normalization. Let's back up for a second because I think in our work worlds. There has been quite a bit of conversation for many years about the idea that people have different risk tolerances so much so that there's, there's like companies that you can hire that profile people when, when you're bringing new folks into your organization to try to like assess their risk tolerance, which sounds really cool on paper.
1: So wait, so quickly, in thirty seconds or less, mm-hmm. and we have a clock right here. they okay. are recording. <laughs> just describe what that's like to mm-hmm. have someone come in and profile. Like, what does that look like? What does it? Do?
0: A lot of the time, it's it's like a series of questions or a form that people fill out that is supposed to put them into a category of whether or not they are a risky person, someone who's willing to tolerate risk, or whether or not they are a more um, cautious individual with the thought process that you would probably only want to hire cautious individuals.
1: This sounds like a <laughs> DEI nightmare from my <laughs> software startup world. That does not sound okay, but let's, <laughs> let's continue. Let's not let me detract.
0: Yeah. And, and so what always struck me is interesting about that is one, the recognition that your risk tolerance of something is very dependent upon your experience level. And so somebody who might be a super cautious individual, right. And then you might get that information about whether somebody is cautious by like kind of what their hobbies are and what they tend to like to do outside of work. Is it things that are, you know, types of activities that would not lend themselves to people being injured like, or like knitting versus whitewater kayaking, right? So like I, you might qualify somebody as a more cautious person if they're... Kayaking. <laughs> Nailed it. Got it. <laughs> but any individual who to in, involves themselves in any sort of activity gets risk normalized over time. So maybe you didn't start off as a whitewater kayaker. You started off as like a lake kayaker and then a sea kayaker and then a rough seas kayaker. And then you decided to go down a river that had, you know, class rapids that were easy for you to be able to work around. And then the more experience you got, you got higher and higher class rapids until now suddenly you have quite a bit of expertise in kayaking, and it doesn't seem nearly as scary to you as it did when you started.
1: These are all these specific examples, and now <laughs> even know if you've been kayaking. And Should how, I view something? How aggressively do you kayak?
0: Um, I have kayaked. Okay. I rough seas is my my limitation you at peaked. this point. I've peaked at rough but did seas.
1: You, but did you peak because you thought anything further or more difficult would be? too risky or did no, you I just just had, get I just had lazy. children and ran out <laughs> <Okay>. of time. <laughs> well, now I feel bad saying lazy, but I'm sticking <laughs> with it.
0: Um and so if we're looking for somebody so so there's no there's no argument that some some people, right? So like you're what makes you you and how you were raised, right? There are personality types that are a little bit more cautious than others. But many of the jobs that we are hiring for the work itself is inherently dangerous. And so you actually need folks who are willing to engage in that work. If you're like, if you're a lineman, right? You're up in the air working with voltage. I mean, just like the possibilities of being seriously injured exist in your job world. And yet somehow we're kind of get this idea that you could get a cautious person to be engaged in an activity that has high risk to it. And that the risk normalization of the person who's doing that work all the time, we kind of think should look the same as somebody who's in an office who doesn't do that work all the time. And that to me, just there's like a massive thought process disconnect in that idea of people's risk tolerances being the same for a specific activity. Indefinitely. Right. Indefinitely. I I, I do this a hundred
1: times. I have the same risk tolerance as the first time. 10,000 times and I still have the same risk tolerance.
0: Right. So that's just not how life works, right? That's not how our brains work. That's not how we categorize risk to begin with. But so not only one person having the same risk tolerance indefinitely, but thinking that the risk tolerance of the human who is in an office and not doing that work is quote unquote the right way to look at it versus the risk tolerance of the person who is doing that work day in and day out and has been normalized to it is quote unquote the wrong way of doing it. That that's a massive disconnect in my mind. And usually the person who is in the office is the one that's making the rules through their risk taking lens, right through their risk tolerance lens. And then the person who's out in the field who has tons of experience doing what they're doing, uh, it doesn't make sense to them. Stupid example that doesn't involve, you know, work that some of us might not be familiar with. It would be like me telling you, Matt, that yes tomorrow okay when you're in your kitchen i need you to wear cut resistant gloves while you're preparing dinner if you're cutting things you'd be like huh yeah i mean i understand conceptually the risk that you're trying to prevent here that nope <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm not doing it, but, but but it wouldn't,
0: yeah, but it wouldn't make any sense to you. You'd be like, I, yeah, I know I can get cut. Like I'm not, not aware of that. And you've been cut.
1: I mean, I cook pretty often. So yeah, I've been cut plenty of times.
0: Right. And so that's just because you've been in the kitchen, a bunch cutting things. And if I've never done that before, then it would just seem to make total sense. Total sense. Like, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you put on cut resistant gloves? But from your perspective, you'd be like, I, it doesn't make total sense to me. Why doesn't it make total sense to you, Matt?
1: <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. I mean, I was also thinking about like if you asked me to wear an entire suit that was flame retardant if I was going to go use the oven. <laughs> it's just, like the same concept as it It sounds like Looney Tunes and <laughs> it not never happened. I would just not use the oven anymore. I'd go cook somewhere. I'll go to the grill if you didn't make me use the. No, no, you suit.
0: absolutely need the flame retardant suit for oh, the grill, goodness. Matthew.
1: All right, well, I'm ordering dinner. <laughs> <laughs> on every day. Just dangerously close to how it was when we first moved in.
0: <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so risk normalization is something that naturally happens the more you have experience. And the idea of having people have the same risk normalization that are in an office environment oftentimes the folks that are making rules versus the person out in the field, that's n- never going to happen. And so when we're thinking about what is realistic and has operational fidelity, meaning it makes sense to the people who have to do the work in real life, we should be seeking to understand their feelings and thoughts about the risk that they're in. Because if we come at it from this completely different angle of, hey, I think cut resistant gloves in the kitchen are a really good idea. And we just kind of continually push that. We're going to be really disappointed when people don't think it's a good idea.
1: Yeah. So, Risk normalization. What's the homework?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: What's what's the thing we can go and do in our personal lives that would really show, hey, this. Maybe I'm I'm normalizers. Maybe I view this as particularly risky. But people do it all the time. How can we put our brains to work to see this outside of the workplace? That's a great question.
0: Risk normalization is so hard to see when you're in it. So we're going to have to be thinking about observing someone else. Or maybe we can think about our past. All right, so let's do this. Let's try to think about something that we do, work-wise or personal-wise, that when we originally started doing it, it was terrifying to us, and now it doesn't feel like a big deal
1: driving in queens. <laughs> Got mine done already. Okay. Um so that's the homework and we'll talk about it. Yeah. Next time. Sounds good. Well, that's it. Yep, another one in the books. We did it. If you
0: uh, want to send us any of your thoughts, actually fling us any of your thoughts, you can do so at the website www.hoppodcast.com.
1: That's com. T.com.
0: Still such a stupid name. A stupid name.
1: <laughs> we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening.